Welcome to the Hope Fellowship Podcast, where you can listen to our weekly walk through the Bible. We do hope you enjoy your time with us today. Please check us out at hopehogesville.com. And if you feel led to support our ministry, please click the link in this episode's description. Now here's this week's walk through the Bible. Acts chapter 9, verse 32. Now as Peter was traveling through all those regions, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he got up, and all who lived at Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. When they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him, Do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed, And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. It became known all over Joppa and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. Let's take a look first at the miracle with Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years. Let's go back to verse 32. We see that Jesus overcomes disease. Jesus overcomes disease, and then we're going to come and take a look at Tabitha, where we see that Jesus overcomes death. All right, verse 32. Now, as Peter was traveling through all those regions, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who had been bedridden for eight years, for he was paralyzed. So Peter was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was going through all the regions, going from place to place, preaching Jesus and leading people to salvation. And then he came across this guy named Aeneas, and he was bedridden. He was paralyzed, meaning that it it seems as though he was paralyzed for eight years It could have been that he had been sick a lot longer. There's not really a lot here to indicate how long the man was sick or how old the man was. We just know that he's been paralyzed and laid up in a bed for eight years. That's long enough. Having been paralyzed and laying in bed for eight years, there's a lot of atrophy, obviously, that that would have taken place. Uh, So to be healed of a disease that caused somebody to be crippled, but then also to be told to get up and walk instantly and be able to do so, All of this is an incredibly um, powerful miracle. A miracle, the basic definition of a miracle is something that happens that is supernatural. It cannot be explained by science. It could not be accomplished by any kind of medical effort. It could not be accomplished by any type of um, 
any type of man-made work. So in this case, this man is healed by a supernatural force. And I'd just like to point out that the supernatural force is not Peter. Peter is not the one who healed this man. It is Jesus. And Peter even makes it very clear right out the gate that he is not the one who heals this man. So take a look at these verses. He says in verse 32, There he found a man who had been bedridden eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he got up. He points, he looks at the man and he says, Jesus Christ heals you. You start looking at miracles like this happening through the hands of believers post-resurrection of Jesus in the early church. And you start to wonder, is it possible that God continues to give people the ability to heal and the ability to go around healing people as they see fit? And I think it's good to note that, first of all, if we're looking at these miracles and thinking, how could I achieve the ability to heal people in this way? Because wouldn't that be great to find people who are sick and lead them towards healing in this way? If only we could take all the sick people and bring them before the front of the church and pray over them and, and just proclaim in the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus heals you and see them all healed. If only we could do that, wouldn't that be amazing? But it seems like the Lord doesn't always do that. I think there are a lot of times people do pray for healing. And for some reason, the Lord doesn't always heal people physically, doesn't always heal the diseases. And even in this instance, it, doesn't, it seems as though uh, Jesus wasn't healing all the sick people. He was healing some of the sick people. And we don't always know why he does that. I think the answer lies in something beyond the immediate healing. I think the Lord definitely cares about sick people. God cares about all individuals and hears the cries of our hearts. The beauty of this is that the Lord takes sinful men and he uses us for his glory and for his honor. And he takes a man like Peter, and in this instance, he chose to use him to perform a miracle that God wanted to use in this timing and in this way. So then the question is, since it is the Lord's work, and since he's the main character, Jesus is the one who chose to perform this miracle on Aeneas, and he's the one who's going to perform the miracle on Tabitha, then the question is, why is he doing it? Why is God choosing to heal these people in this timing? And I believe the answer is in the greater story of Peter and Peter's work and the work that God's doing through Peter. We have to remember that Peter's work is gospel ministry. He's preaching Jesus day after day after day. And these people are living in a world where they're questioning all the voices. They're kind of saying, uh, here comes a new guy that's preaching a new message should we believe him? Should we listen to him? And he's preaching a message about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And a lot of these people knew about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they didn't really know about Jesus. They had heard a little bit about Jesus the Nazarene, and they had heard that Jesus the Nazarene came and was preaching the coming of the kingdom of God. And they believed that they heard that Jesus the Nazarene had died and risen from the dead. And people were saying that he rose from the dead, but they weren't sure if this was true. So here comes Peter preaching the message of Jesus the Nazarene who died and was buried and rose from the dead. And Peter is preaching that this Jesus the Nazarene is the Christ of the Old Testament. 
He is the one that God promised to send to bring salvation. This Jesus of the Nazarene is our Savior. He is the one that's come to forgive us of all of our sins. He is the one that's come to make us right with the Holy God. So when you read a miracle like this in the New Testament, it's good to recognize that the purpose of that miracle is it's designed, as we read them, to help us believe, to help us believe the message, to help us see that this message of Jesus is true, that it's real, that it's that it's empowered by our creator, by a holy God. It has authenticity, it has authority, it has power. And the design and the purpose of this is to help us see this is valid. There's validity in the work of the gospel and we can believe in the work of God. And these people were seeing this firsthand. And as a result, take note of what happens. In verse 34, it says, Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, make your bed. And immediately he got up. And all who lived at Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. Now there's the evidence, the impact of the miracle uh, after Peter is, obviously it seems as though he, as he is healing this man, people are noticing. So then, of course, that draws a crowd. People will say, hey, miracles are taking place through this guy, Peter, that's in town. And so a crowd draws around and everywhere Peter goes, he's preaching the gospel. He's preaching to the crowds. And he preaches the same message. He preaches Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead that we might believe and be saved. And then his message was always, his response was always simple. People would say, what must we do? And he would always say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's, that's the simple message of the gospel. And before I go too much further this morning, if you're at all wrestling with your relationship with Jesus, that's the question that we all must ask. What must we do about this message of Jesus? What should I do about that? And the answer to that is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then God's promise to you is you will be saved. And that's, that's the message he was preaching. And as a result of doing that, in verse 35, it says, they turned to the Lord. The response was belief. The response was repentance. The response was that these people heard about Jesus. They believed in Jesus. They saw the miracle and the evidence of the power of Jesus working through Peter. Peter even shifted the glory, making sure that people did not see that it was Peter's supernatural power going out like a magician and like, uh, and like some of the people that they were dealing with in this time. He was directly communicating to these people that this is not me. This is Jesus doing this work. And he pointed to Jesus and the people believed in Jesus and then they turned to Jesus. So then, I think, before we move on to the uh, miracle about Tabitha, I'd like to just kind of point out that I think uh, this healing um, is representative of Jesus' power to heal us from all of the crippling sickness of sin that we all endure. Since God is a God who heals disease, and God is also a God who heals, um, brings people to life, it's good to recognize that this, is, this goes way beyond the physical. And I think sometimes uh, the Lord does these great works, and those are amazing things that we should continue to pray for 
and we should continue to ask the Lord to help us with, but I think the Lord wants us to see past this. Since this is really about the gospel and less about healing people of their sicknesses, the Lord is trying to help these people see that they are sick with sin and they're in desperate need of their salvation in Jesus Christ. And if God can heal people of a crippling um, palsy that causes them to be paralyzed for years and years and years and give them the ability to just stand up and walk away, then God can give them the ability to be set free from their sins. The Lord Jesus reminds me that he has paid the price for my sins and his blood is sufficient to cover all of my sins, past, present, and future. And when he died on the cross and said, it is finished, that was a reference to the work of paying the price for all of my sins. And now I can stand before God uncondemned. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I can remember that I am forgiven of my sins. And so I hear the voice of my Savior saying, you are forgiven. Get up and walk with me. Rest in that forgiveness, but go and sin no more. Now let's look at Tabitha. In verse 36, it says, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. Uh, her name was Tabitha, and uh, this woman was abounding in deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. I, what, a, what, an, what a thing to be said about someone. What a, what a neat quality, and I think that uh, should be inspiring to all of us, that we live in such a way that that could be said about us when we're dead that we abounded in kindness, that we abounded in charity and, and, uh, and in goodness. And, um, and these were continual and, and a pattern throughout our lives. And she died and they were all grieving because of the loss of the spirit of God working through this beautiful person that was helping them on a daily basis, being kind to them. They were grieving because she meant so much to them. The Lord was using her. And they were grieving and they were crying out for help. In verse 37, it says, And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him, Do not delay in coming to us. So this was a nearby town. All right. So um, Lydda and Joppa were, uh, I think they were about 25 miles apart. They weren't very far away from one another. And, um, uh, so Peter's over here and Lydda performing, you know, he, he had healed a person, had created quite, uh, quite a scene, right? And uh, the rumors are getting out, hey, Peter's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, people are getting healed, big things are happening in Lydda, and, uh, and you need to go over there and go find out and go see it for yourself, right? So people were probably making the trip to go see what was going on, but over here in Joppa, um, these people probably weren't as interested in traveling to Lydda to see what was going on with Peter because one of their favorite people was dying and they were staying close um, to deal with this within their family. And uh, she died. So they sent a couple of messengers over to Joppa or over to Lydda and said, uh, they sent those messengers and said, hey, go get Peter. We need Peter because he has the power to heal people. He has the ability to heal, or, or at least God is doing a great work through Peter. So we need him to come help us. We need him to come comfort us. We need him to come maybe even uh, there's a chance that he could heal Tabitha. So in, on a hope, they sent these two guys. And then in verse 39, it says, So Peter arose and went with them. 
When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. So, you know, by God's grace, he led Peter to say, yeah, I'll go with you. Take me to her house. All right, I mean, think that, you know, that's a testimony too to the, to the Lord's work that Peter is very involved in preaching the gospel of Jesus, Jesus Christ. People are getting saved. And he leaves that to go minister to another group of believers that needed help. And so he leaves that and, and he goes to Joppa and then he says, hey, take me, take me to her. And they take her, they take him to the upper room where they had laid her body and uh, they're all weeping and they're showing garments and they're showing all these things that she used to make. And uh, Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. Now, this is going to sound, this is very familiar. It should sound kind of familiar because this, the pattern of this miracle is, is, has happened several times throughout God's word. One of which is in 2 Kings chapter 4, we read about um, Elisha healing the Shumamite's son. And it happened a very similar way, sent everybody out so that he could pray over the boy. And then the boy was healed. And then he presented the boy back to the mother. And then we read about Jesus who raised Jairus's daughter. All right. And he, uh, and he raised the girl and then brought her out and presented her to, uh, to her father. Uh, in a similar fashion, this, this miracle happens. And I think it's Good that it happens in a similar fashion, because again, remember, these are attesting miracles. Uh, people that had heard anything about the history of the Israelite people and God's people and the Hebrews and the Jews and, the, um, and all the, the, the miracles that had continued to take place, they would have seen this pattern and recognized that this is the power of God working through Peter. And so he heals this woman. In verse 40, Peter sent them out, knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand. And he gave her his hand and raised her up, and calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. It became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. So he raised her up. And he took her out and presented her to the saints and widows alive. And then guess what happened? Same thing that happened in the first miracle. First thing that ha what happened in Lydda after he performed the miracle and he continued to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, people turned to the Lord. And I believe the exact same thing happened here. It says in verse 42, it became known all over Joppa. The rumor went out. People heard the miracle, they saw evidence of the miracle, and they heard the message of Peter, and many people believed in the Lord. So this story is about believing in Jesus. The whole point is that people need to hear about Jesus, and people need to believe in Jesus. We need to believe in Jesus Christ, and the Lord has given us enough evidence to support the claim that Jesus is our Savior. He heals physically, and those were physical illustrations of a spiritual thing that God can do for us that we can't do for ourselves. We all need to be healed of the sickness of our sin, and we all need to be raised from the dead. And that's something else that we all have to come to grips with. 
Before we came to know Jesus Christ, we were spiritually dead, not dying, but dead. And that's how scripture paints the picture. I think you may kind of wonder that, but if you go back and read through scripture, you'll see a pattern. The way God talks about our spiritual condition is dead, not almost dead. He did. We could not do any of the work, but God saved us. He gave us faith. He gave us the ability to believe, and he saved us by sending his son, Jesus Christ. There's a few things that I'd like to invite you to pray through as believers, especially in the room. Uh, one is that uh, having heard the story of, uh, of Jesus Christ and having believed in Jesus Christ and having seen testimony of these kind of miracles, the way God works through Peter uh, to perform these miracles, I think, first of all, we need to praise the Lord and rejoice that God's given us our salvation, that God's performed the miracle that he has in our own hearts that he has saved us from our sins and brought us to life and given us uh, eternal life, that we should continue to praise the Lord for that and never forget it. And pray that God will do that again for the lost people within our influence. And then um, if we are as believers wrestling with sin or continuing in sin, just re be reminded by this story that God's desire, God hates sin. God hates the sick as much as he hated the sickness, the palsy that caused that man to be lame for eight, for eight years. God hates that. God did not create this world with all of that in existence. That came as a result of sin. The world's not supposed to be like that. It just It is because we live in a sinful and broken world, and God hates it. It's okay to hate sin. It's okay to hate sickness. And to hate those kinds of things. But in as much as we have are rejoicing in our salvation, we need to continue to hate sin. As much as we hate sickness, more than we hate sickness. Our, our call is to hear the voice of Jesus saying, you are healed. Get up and walk rightly with me. So pray about that. Um, And then uh, I'd like to just make this call to those who might be wrestling with their relationship with God. If you're not at peace with God, if you are wrestling with whether or not you are right with God, the hope is in Jesus. The message of Peter was to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You've read a couple of examples of some miraculous work that God's provided to give evidence that he is for real and that he is God and he does provide salvation and he will forgive and he will save no matter how wicked and how simple you are. You think your sin is too much for God to forgive? Well, if some man's palsy is not too much for God to heal and if some girl's death is not too much for God to reverse, then your sinful wickedness is not too much for God to forgive. My encouragement to you would be the same as Peter's. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the promise from God is that you'll be saved. Thank you for listening to this week's Walk Through the Bible with Hope Fellowship. I leave you with these words from Numbers 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.